Welcome to the Lean Blog Podcast. Visit our website at www.leanblog.org. Now, here's your host, Mark Graben. Hi, this is Mark Graben, and you are listening to episode number 43 of the Lean Blog Podcast for May 17th, 2008. Today is a very unique podcast. Our guest is Mike Micklewright, the founder of Quality Quest. And one interesting thing that Mike does, I uh, became aware of this a few months ago and I blogged about it, is uh, a, a presentation, uh, an impersonation of Dr. W. Edwards Deming. And I've had a chance to see um, the DVD of his presentation, and it's uh, quite impressive. And we are doing a podcast today um, that will be in a couple of parts. First, we're going to talk to Mike uh, and, and learn about his background with Dr. Deming and, and the work he does uh, as a consultant and a performer and how he got started with the Deming impersonation. Then we're going to shift into a mode where we're actually going to podcast uh, with Mike as Dr. Deming, um, kind of along the lines of his presentation called What Would Deming Say?, where we're going to talk about some modern issues of Lean and Six Sigma, and Mike does um, a good job of speaking in, in the voice of Dr. Deming and, and saying things that uh, we, we might expect Dr. Deming to say. Uh, if, if he were still with us today, um, about 15 years um, since he passed away. So I, I hope you enjoy the podcast. Um, if you want to get in touch with Mike or if you're interested in booking him uh, for an in-person appearance at a, a meeting or a business event, you can contact him at his website, which is www.mikemick.com, M-I-K-E-M-I-C-K. Com. If you have any feedback, visit the website, leanpodcast.org, which will take you to the link to the page for this episode. As always, thanks for listening. Well, again, our guest is Mike Micklewright from Quality Quest. Thanks for being here today. Thank you for having me. Mike, I was wondering if you could start off by telling us uh, you know, about your background with quality improvement and with the Deming philosophy. Oh, boy. Well, I started off with the uh, Saturn Corporation uh, of General Motors. Um, actually, I was a summer student when it was uh, still a Saturn project mm-hmm. uh, back in uh, the summer of '85, and uh, and then after I was uh, done with that stint during the summer, I came on as a as a full time employee. But um, my, my, the first person I ever reported to was uh, uh, the vice president of engineering. It's kind of like I had the, one of the best jobs out of all the summer students because I got to report to a VP right away. But and that was Jay Wetzel, uh, and uh, he. Um, uh, he had been uh, uh, listening to, to Deming quite a bit, and he was kind of a Deming disciple and learned a lot about his ways. In fact, a lot of the old people from um, the Pontiac Motor Division um, came over to Saturn, mm-hmm. and they had been in discussions with Deming. And so some of that philosophy um, kind of rubbed off. Uh, we'd, I didn't know a lot about Deming at the time, uh, but uh, I heard a little bit about his philosophies. And uh, so that, that kind of got me interested. Yeah. And then, uh, you know, with Saturn, uh, we also um, did some benchmarking, and so we rode our, uh, drove uh, uh, two of the four Saturns that were built at the time, you know, through the deserts and the mountains out west, mm-hmm. and learned a little bit about benchmarking. And then I also learned from Phil Ross um, about uh, design of experiments and uh, the Taguchi methods and, and the importance of reduction of variation. So I began to teach that right away. So there's a lot of different things that, that hit me right at the very beginning, early in my career, uh, including uh, a visit out to Nomi and understanding mm-hmm. the. Uh, the the uh, uh, Toyota way and and seeing how self reliant they actually were. Um, I went out there to, to benchmark equipment and uh, uh, found out that uh, 
they basically built all of their equipment. They were completely self-reliant, and that was a big part of, uh, of what I had learned back then. Yeah. And can, can you tell, tell us a little bit about your firm, Quality Quest, and the types of work that you do today? Sure. Uh, most of it is, uh, I would say, primarily in three different areas. Um, it's uh, building effective and efficient uh, quality management systems uh, that are certified ISO 9001 or not, um, or anything that's based on ISO 9001. Uh, root cause analysis, and, and then I do an awful lot of lean work. Uh, and not just teaching of lean tools, but really focusing in on developing the lean, the lean culture. Uh, a lot of uh, what Deming preached about get, uh, comes into my lean teaching mm-hmm. as well. Um, and, and, and kind of, you know, there's a lot of overlap between the quality management system, root, good root cause analysis, and lean. Uh, a lot of people don't see that overlap, but there is a tremendous amount of overlap uh, between the three. And so I try to integrate those philosophies. Um, one example would be uh, lean quality management systems. In other words, a lot of companies have over-documented quality management systems, way too many procedures and work instructions to ever be effective. And I instill in, in the, the, the principles of, of lean into the quality management system, making it much more effective and efficient and, and shorter. Mm-hmm. So. Well, good. And uh, the, the reason you know we had you here today uh, was really is to, to talk about the um, impression that you do of Dr. Deming. And I want to thank you again for sending the DVD. It was really uh, pretty amazing uh, to see. So I was wondering if you could, uh, you know, b- before we chat with you in, in, in Dr. Deming's voice, if you could tell us a little bit about you know the, the idea of doing that presentation and impersonation, how you got started, and how it's been received so far. Yeah. Well, I've always kind of liked acting. I, I put a lot of my, a lot of my own videos together, and I've always liked the, being up on stage and presenting. And a couple of years ago, I went to an ASQ conference, and uh, I think it was for an auditing uh, conference. And they had uh, one of the keynotes was uh, a Teddy Roosevelt uh, impersonator, and uh, and he was pretty good. But um, you know, he struggled to fit a, a, a tie it in with with quality. Mm. There, there, you know, a lot of people didn't really see that tie in. Right. And so it went off, it went off okay. And that was the first time it hit me. I was thinking, well, geez, wouldn't it be cool to have uh, Dr. Deming up there speaking about quality at a, at a quality conference. Yeah. And so I started at that point uh, to do a little bit more research and started to put a script together. And then also locally here, in, uh, I'm, in, I'm in the Chicago area, uh, locally here there's a, a DJ who speaks to a Thomas Jefferson impersonator on the radio. Hmm. And he's as if he is Thomas Jefferson. And they also do a show. And in the show, uh, which is an evening show, the moderator asks Thomas Jefferson Questions and Thomas Jefferson, of course, is dressed up in the mm-hmm. same garb that he would have had in the 1700s. Um, and he asks some questions, and uh, so it's kind of a back and forth talk show type thing. Uh, and then at the end, uh, there's a very uh, uh, long uh, quality and answer. Uh, I'm sorry, question and answer session at the end, in which the moderator fields questions from the audience, and they take up to a half hour, 45 minutes to do it that mm-hmm. way. Uh, and so that's that's how I kind of set it up. That's how I set up my presentations. When I give presentations as Deming with another moderator, I have my overhead projector, the old-fashioned <laughs> overhead projector right. up there like Deming would use, um, and, uh, and then there's an awful lot of questions that come in from the audience. They, they really want to know, you know what Deming would think of um, in today's world of, of quality and business. Sure. And we'll, after we do our chat as, as Deming, you know, certainly um, have you give some details about how people can get in touch with you if, if they're interested in having you come do that presentation. So. Oh, that'd be great. It, Thank it, you. Yeah, and if it's okay, I'd like to you know go ahead and this point invite. Um, I guess we might say your version uh, of of Doctor Deming to be our podcast guest. Does that sound all right? That sounds good. Okay, I don't know if you need a second to uh, to get into character, ready to go. I'll go get him. <laughs> he's, he's downstairs. Here. I'll go get him. Hold on. Okay. <laughs> 
Well, Dr. Deming, it's really quite an honor to have you here um, to, to talk with the podcast listeners today. Well, I'd, I'd like to thank you for inviting me to speak. It's been quite some time since I've spoken in a public forum. Thank you again. And, and Dr. Deming, did, did the Japanese really listen and, and learn from your principles? And if so, you know, how, how long did it take for them to reach the desired outcome of improved quality? Well, in 1950, my friend, Mr. Ichiro Ishikawa, invited me to speak to 50 executives of manufacturing companies to the Industry Club of Japan. They wanted to learn from a statistician what statistical methods might do for Japanese industry. When I speak in public, I then ask the audience, oftentimes, to raise their hands if they are quite sure that their top management would listen to a statistician for hours on end. No one ever does raise their hands. Quite interesting, I find, that no one would raise their hands in this era of what you now call Six Sigma. I was faced, I faced this meeting in front of so many executives with a great deal of fear, a great deal of trepidation. I was only a statistician. I told them it would take two or more years to revise Japanese ideas of quality, precision, and uniformity. I told them it would take another five years to establish a reputation for quality, precision, and uniformity. I told them that plans for a new era would be long-range and would require a great deal of patience. They surprised me. They started to develop a reputation for quality in just four years. They were very fast, or as you might say today, lean. Dr. Deming, I'd like to hear more of your thoughts on, on lean and the state of lean in, in today's world, but I'm curious first, if you can tell us a little bit more um, what you think about Six Sigma. <laughs> Interesting question. First, it's an elitist system. Black belts, green belts, they do all the work. They're special. Quality is supposed to be everyone's job. Just like I say in my 14th point, put everybody in the company to work to accomplish the transformation. It's everyone's job. It's not special belt people. It's not special people who have a special certificate. That's one issue. Six Sigma is based on 3.4 defects per million. How do you get to 3.4 defects per million the easiest way? You open up the specs. This does not improve quality. If an airline executive says that their goal is to achieve no more than one in 10 million airline passenger deaths, 
in one year, and the company achieves one in seven million. They don't meet they don't meet the spec, but then the executive changes the spec to one in five million. Is their quality now better now that they meet the spec? I don't think so. Six Sigma is based on defects per million opportunities per million per million. That's subjective. You can make up many defectives. If a carpenter hangs a sheet of wallpaper, a sheet of sheet stock in the house, is that one defect opportunity or are there several? Whether it's level or not, whether it's square, the thickness, the width, the length, surface defects, nail pops. How many defects per million are there? It's completely subjective. Doesn't focus in on reduction of variation. That's what must be the focus. That's another issue. Mm -hmm. And another, black belts, they receive about 160 hours of training, from what I understand. I asked the manager one time how many they taught in his company. He said they taught 800, 800 lane, Six Sigma black belts. I said, how many of them practice? He said, about 5%. That's 40. I said, of those 5%, of the 40, what percent do they use of what they were taught? He said about another 5%. That's two. Two out of 800 are fully using the knowledge, the information that they gained. Lane Six Sigma training is not lane. Lane Six Sigma is an oxymoron. Six Sigma training is not lane. Another case in point, one to make you think, my dear friend, Dr. Ishikawa, said that 95% of a company's problems can be taught with the seven basic quality tools, including control charts, which my good friend, Dr. Stewart, taught me originally. These seven tools can probably taught, be taught to people in 16 hours, I ask you, is it best to teach 160 hours of training to a black belt or 16 hours of basic quality tools to 10 people who work with the problems every day? It's something your company needs to ask itself. Those are some, some really interesting and, and provocative thoughts, Dr. Deming. I, I was wondering if, if you could tell us um, a little more about what your thoughts are uh, about lean and how uh, the lean methodology is practiced today. The principles, they're good. They're very good. The practice in the United States is not. Americans love tools. It's the latest drug. 5S, Kaizen, value stream mapping, quick changeovers, haphazardly apply the tools, just buy the training. 
These tools, they're only solutions to root causes. That's all they are. No one taught Toyota 5S. It was a byproduct of good root cause analysis and employee involvement. One day, there was a customer complaint. Someone blamed the operator. Then they said, no, we're going to do root cause analysis. They got down to the root cause. The operator probably said he didn't use the right tool. Why, they ask. It wasn't available. Why was it not available, they ask. Because the place is completely disorganized. It's a mess. So they cleaned it up. That's where Americans would usually stop. They cleaned it up. But then they said, no, there's something wrong in the system. We don't have a system to keep our areas organized. Our tools set in the right area. So they developed 5S. It was only a solution to good root cause analysis. Americans love tools, and they teach the tools, and they sub-optimize areas. There's very little system focus. Oh, they pretend, many companies pretend they're focusing on the system, but they don't. Focusing on areas. Choose to achieve efficiencies, not to improve quality. The two are one and the same. Many people still don't understand this. So they use it to drive production. Mm -hmm. They have successes short term, but there's no change in leadership. Without a change in leadership, improvements will not occur. American top management does not want to change. They want to buy programs. They want to buy the new drug. They want to do what everyone else is doing. Your leadership does not want to change. Their egos are too big. There's almost no use. It needs to start at the top. Leadership has to change, or any lean effort is a farce. Well, Dr. Deming, I thought maybe one last question we could talk about, and thank you for sharing your thoughts on on lean and, and Six Sigma. Um, something you always wrote and talked about, um, I, I think, is still a relevant issue today. Um, why, why is it that managers and, and companies are focused mainly on individual incentives and, and annual reviews? Why, why haven't companies learned uh, about what you taught? Part of it is the American culture not willing to change. American culture is about competition. Haven't learned that competition is the destructor of businesses of systems, of families, of neighborhoods, of countries. When there's competition, as there is with individual incentives, a person says, I have an individual incentive, they will do all it takes to reach that incentive, even if it hurts others, other departments, or other individuals. They compete. The net effect is negative because the losses build. For every one winner in the incentive system, there's more than one loser. Because when one loses, they talk. Negative feelings boil up. They boil all around. The overall system is hurt. The greatest waste in companies today is the politics. Nasty emails are sent to people, from what I hear. They protect their turf. 
they hurt each other. Individual incentives just creates that competition. And annual reviews, doesn't that go against what so many companies are now preaching with Lane? How often are reviews done? Manually, once a year, in a big batch. I thought batch processing was wrong. So why are you doing it? It's better to do a single piece flow, lead, lead every day. Coach your people, challenge the people, but lead and be there every single day, not once at the end of the year to review their performance when it's too late. Well, Dr. Deming, I I can't thank you enough for taking time to come speak with us today. I thank you, too. I hope it helps. Well, Mike, thank you. Uh, I think that was certainly uh, outstanding work there, and um, uh, I want to thank you for for speaking in in Dr. Deming's voice. Um, One question I had, um, I think you had mentioned that you you were maybe going to put some sample videos um, uh, either on your website or out on YouTube. Yeah, uh, there's... um that is coming forth. Uh, I just haven't done it yet. Um, there's uh, uh, still still just have to put it together. It's from one of the presentations that I made about a week and a half ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was filmed in the Chicago area, and um, but uh, my production guy is working on that. Yeah, because I mean, people are hearing uh, obviously the, the the vocal part of that today, but from the DVD, I mean, I think the the whole the the picture you get of you know the the overhead projector and and the the whole experience is, is something hopefully people will be able to. Uh, sample in a, in a video at some point. It, it really is a nice job that you do. Well, thank you. And I also had to shave my head, so, you know, yeah, <laughs> nice, to, n- nice to get something out of it. You know? yeah. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I'll be, I'll be doing it again, though, in, uh, in, uh, down in Columbus, Georgia this, uh, this coming week here, too. Yeah. I mean, if, if well, that, okay, Columbus, Georgia, yeah. I mean, it, I think if, if Dr. Deming were still with us today, it really is hard to imagine him with, uh, you know, the classic bad PowerPoint of animations and things flying around on screen. Yeah, but you know, it's kind of an interesting thing too because uh, people have asked me that question after the fact. Like, I wonder if he would use PowerPoint or or an overhead projector. And uh, uh, I'm ready for that question because um, uh, I think he would have used PowerPoint. But also, you know, Deming also talked about not using technology for technology's sake. Right. And there is still a very there are some strong advantages of using the old-fashioned overhead projector Mm -hmm. because when when he's writing up there or when I'm writing up there on the screen. People tend to watch more, and it's a good learning tool. <laughs> mm-hmm. And then sometimes they they write along with you. Yeah. So you know, th- there's even an answer to that. I think uh, uh, from that, that Deming would have. But what I yeah. try to do with with Deming all the time is treat him with the, the utmost respect sure. because I do believe in him so much. Yeah, and then, and that definitely comes across in uh, in in the video, and and I hope that came across to people today. I, I think it did. So I mean, if people like what they've heard and uh, they're interested in contacting you for maybe booking an appearance uh, as Dr. Deming. What's the best way for people to reach you? Uh, my email address is mike at mikemick.com. So the domain name is spelled M-I-K-E-M-I-C-K. Um, my phone number, cell phone, is 847-401-0442. And then the other thing that pe- people have gotten a hold of me just by Googling my name, mm-hmm. Mike Micklewright, because I- I've written a lot of articles until they, they pop up when you Google my name. <laughs> okay, sure. And I'll, I'll post uh, a link to your website um, on my uh, site. So if people listening want to come and, and find the, uh, the post for this episode, um, I won't put your email and phone number online, but they can find your uh, 
website, and I'm sure they can track you down. So I uh, really enjoyed this. Um, hopefully we, we can do a follow-up if there's interest, if people have their own questions of, um, you know, what might Dr. Deming say on, on modern topics, maybe we can do this again. That sounds great. I'd love to do it. Okay. Thank you, Mark. Thanks for listening. This has been the Lean Blog Podcast. For lean news and commentary updated daily, visit www.leanblog.org. If you have any questions or comments about this podcast, email mark at leanpodcast at gmail.com.